You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, this morning, we're going to dive into the Word of God. And I want to just say that when it comes to God's Word, it is absolutely a priority here at The Gateway Church. It just has to be that way. It's our standard for life. And it really, when we keep it God's Word as a priority, there are some things that we need to do. We should do and follow what it says, right? The God's Word. But with God's Word by itself, it's incredible, and it is enough. But when you add someone or someone to follow that is following God's Word, how many know that there is an increased benefit to that? I am convinced that we all need a friend or a mentor or a teacher or a master of some sort to follow. And not only do we need someone to emulate, we want to be in the place ourselves where we can say, like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, or yeah, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow Christ. That's in the NIV. This is the ESV. Be imitators of me. That's Paul talking, as I am of Christ. So Paul is following Christ, and he's saying, look, follow my example as, you fo- as I follow Christ. And I believe that a true disciple, someone that's growing in the Lord, yes, they accept doctrine and they accept policy, different things like that, but they also watch the teacher and follows their lifestyle. I know I already mentioned Dave Ramsey, but I'm going to do it again. If you follow and go through Financial Peace University, which I would encourage all of you guys to do, uh, we host those uh, at least once a year or try to. Uh, but you go through the class and you get, you, you, know, you get all the knowledge and you're like, yeah, all right, I'm going to start. And you never follow what Dave Ramsey does and actually put it into action. You're kind of like a fool, right? Like, man, I got the knowledge, but I'm not doing it. That's no good. The same is true if you're on a fitness, got some fitness goals, and you, maybe you pay for a program or something, or you pay for a, 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 you know, a membership somewhere, and you never show up or you never follow what the coach says to do. It, you you're wasting your money. And the same is true when it comes to spiritual disciplines. Yes, we know what God's Word says, but we got to put it into practice. And the reason I say that is that throughout the book of Mark that we've been studying, we see Jesus doing something over and over consistently, and it's something that we all should follow. We should emulate. You say, well, what is it? Well, I know it's not rocket science, but Jesus, he prayed. He prayed. In fact, I would say that Jesus was a person of prayer. At his baptism, we see Jesus praying. Before and after great victories, we see Jesus praying. One example is when he fed the 5,000. At night, he would often slip away and pray. Early in the morning, he'd get up and go to pray. Before he was facing major decisions, Jesus would pray. One example is he's choosing the 12 disciples. He spent almost an entire evening praying before that. It just seems like things started and ended with prayer for Jesus. Again, 
was, you know, prior to breakthroughs, Jesus is praying over and over. So much so, he prayed that his disciples, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, his disciples came to him privately and asked him not how to multiply the loaves into 5,000 or how to walk on water or even how to teach. They came to him and said, teach us to, say it with me, pray, right? And they wanted him to say, hey, there was something about it. Jesus not only modeled it, there was power that came from it. And the big takeaway today, this is the big reveal. If you can get this, you got it, is that if Jesus prayed, I need to pray. In fact, you need to pray as well, right? If Jesus prayed, we need to pray as well. And this morning, we want to get our minds around Mark chapter 14. Let's dig into our passage for the morning. And by the way, we've got just a few more weeks in the book of Mark. We're going to finish the book of Mark, and, uh, and then we'll be moving on beyond that. But this is what it says. And they were at the place called Gethsemane. And Gethsemane was a familiar place, kind of in an olive grove, probably up on the mountain. And there would have been a gate. It was a garden, uh, so to speak. And it would have been familiar to Jesus and his disciples. And he said to his disciples, he says, sit here while I pray. In Luke's gospel, it says that he encouraged them to, to wait there at the gate and because there would have been a lot of people because it was Passover in Jerusalem. And so he's like, hey, guard the gate here. And in Luke's gospel, he said, not only guard it, but pray as well. And it goes on to say, he says, sit here while I pray. And he took with them Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. You say, well, what was happening? What's, what's going on? Why was Jesus in such distress? Well, Jesus was about to, for the first time in history, and the only time, he was about to experience sin. And not only uh, the sin of a few, but the sin of a billion or more people, every confessed sin from that point forward would be put on Jesus' back. To the point that other gospels said that his sweat turned into droplets of blood. There's actually a real condition, and I, I got it written in my notes here, but I, I can't say it, so I'm not going to even try. But it's so much that the, the God in heaven sent angels to minister to Jesus in this setting. But he's distressed, and he says, I'm going to go a little further. And it says in, in verse 35, he fell on the ground. I love this. In Matthew, it says he fell on his faith, face. In Luke, it says he knelt down. The idea here is he's humble. He's surrendering. It's a posture of worship. And it really depicts his attitude. A little later in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says that he cried out, talking about this very instant. He cried out and had tears. So he is moved. He fell to the ground. It says, if it was possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Jesus is expressing his human will. He's fully God, fully man. He says, man, remove this. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, Simon, you are asleep. 
Could you not watch for an hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them asleep, for their eyes were heavy and did not know what to answer him, right? And he came a third time and said to them, Are are you still sleeping and taking a rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Father, I just pray that this story would come alive in our hearts and in this place today, Lord, that you'd do a great and mighty work. Lord, if you prayed, Jesus, if you prayed, we need to pray. We need to follow you. Lord, help us to understand why and to put it into practice. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. What I want to do is to take this story and this idea that if Jesus prayed, we need to pray as well and answer the question, why? The first reason why is that prayer strengthens and protects us. We all, every single one here, every single person tuning in online has a serious problem. We all are sinners, right? It's the human issue. And, but there are some of us that get tripped up more than others, right? Do you know someone who goes seemingly from one trial to the next, from one troubled situation to the next, and it seems like in their life, even though they know Jesus, there is very little or no victory at all. And we can probably all think of someone that fits that bill. Someone that is just always bumps in the road, right? Kind of the Eeyore type of individual. Stick with me. There's a solution. We should pray. And part of that is that there's a lack of prayer in that person's life, perhaps. And certainly I don't want to minimize the trouble that you may be experiencing. But I'll just say, this morning as I was thinking about this and looking at my notes, I just thought about it that the reverse is true. I know someone in my life that is pretty close to us. She's on our prayer team. And every time I see her, she is up and very uh, enthusiastic. And she's living from victory to victory to victory. And, it, and it's not fake. It's genuine. It's real. And I love that. And, and I, I just see a big smile. She's here. I won't embarrass her. But she's, she, it's just an encouragement to me. And it's because she spends time with Jesus. Can I be bold this morning? I've got written in my notes, it's in bold, it says, if you do not pray, you are weak spiritually. If you are spiritually asleep, if you say, yeah, I'll serve God, or I'll go to church, or I'll do this or that, but, but if you don't pray, you will not make it. Look what the scripture says this morning, Mark 14, 37 and 38. It says, and he came and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, Simon, he changes his name to an old name. It's kind of like, I was thinking about it, when I was a kid, you know, before I was in junior high, I was called Benji. No one called me that. But, uh, but, my, uh, but then I changed my name to Ben, and it was really important, and all my teachers did. I had one friend through, through high school that called me Benji, but uh, he was the only one that was allowed. But once in a while, when I'd do something stupid, kind of, you know, uh, just kind of silly or, or kind of immature, my sisters would call me Benji. 
And, I, and it kind of drove me crazy. And, and it's kind of like, you know, going back to an old name, like, man, your old self. And that's kind of what's happening here. He says, P- says to Peter, he goes back to Simon, he says, his old name. He says, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And I look at that. And what jumps out to me is this watch and pray. Spiritual strength. See, victory does not come from those who are spiritually asleep. Look at it. Peter is singled out in this story. And I hate that because I relate a lot with Peter. But one hour earlier, in in the previous story at the first communion story, the Last Supper, right? We see that Peter stands up, and we're going to study this in a couple weeks. He says, hey, I will stand with you. I will never deny you. I will be with you even to death. And then you fast forward. We know in the next, next passage, Peter is off, he scatters with the rest of the disciples, and he ends up denying that he even knows Jesus. Now, in contrast, we got Peter. On the other side, we got Jesus, right? And let's just remember what's happening in Jesus' life right here. Right before our eyes, in the middle of this story, Jesus is taking the Old Testament covenant and he's redoing it into a new covenant. We looked at that last week when we looked at the first communion. And Jesus is re, or he's fulfilling the Passover. And what's happening in the spirit realm is that Satan is trying to stop it. Satan does not want Jesus on that cross. Satan realizes that at that point that that's where it's headed. And, and Satan is thinking that's a bad idea. And so there's a serious spiritual battle happening in the garden of Gethsemane there. Not too unlike the spiritual battles that we all face in our own lives. Just like there are spiritual battles for each of our lives, for our kids, for our families, for our church, for your business. And let's just remember what 1 Peter 5.8 says. It says, of course, be sober, be watchful. That's that watch and pray. But look what it says. The adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan hates our guts. He does not want God's will uh, to, to be seen. And in this story, Jesus is doing spiritual warfare. Jesus is tempted here, certainly, just like he was in Mark chapter 1 when he was sent out into the desert fasting 40 days in prayer. And three times there, he denies uh, or he, he uh, suppresses Satan. And here, three more times, he says, Not my will, but Lord, your will be done. What did Jesus need in that moment? He needed the armor of God, the spiritual armor of God, just like we do. I love reading Ephesians 6, and we look at the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the, uh, the boots of peace, and so on and so forth, and those things. But at the end of that passage, in verse 18, it also, along with putting on the armor of God, look what it says. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit. Come on, we're a spirit-filled church. We pray in the Spirit at all times with all prayers, right, and supplications. To that end, look again. It says, keep alert. That's that watch and pray with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. 
Church, Jesus prays and he wins the battle in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he goes to the cross and he ultimately wins the war against sin and death. And in a similar way, each of us need to do battle for ourselves and for others. We need to pray. Why? Number one is because prayer strengthens us and it provides protection. And remember, if, we're gonna, if we see Jesus praying, we need to be praying as well. And the second reason why is because prayer helps us know and follow God's will. I talked in the youth group a couple weeks ago about God's will. And uh, it, it's a topic that's kind of a hot topic for students. It's really a hot topic for everybody. Uh, the idea is that I think if I you know, paused and you know, had a conversation with every single one of you after service in the lobby and I asked you, are you interested in doing God's will? You, we probably all would say, yes, I want to know God's will. I want to do God's will. And, and there's no surprise. Uh, but to do and to know God's will and then to do it, one of the keys is prayer. And what did Jesus model? Let's look at it. Mark 14, 35, in our story, it says he went a little further he fell on the ground, and he prayed. I've got that highlighted. I've got that underlined. And it, he prayed, if it were possible, that the hour might pass. He's having a conversation with the God of the universe, his heavenly Father. And what's interesting here is he expresses his human will. He's saying, look, if I don't have to go through with this, that would be great. And I love that God is not offended with Jesus and his honesty in that moment. But ultimately, Jesus submits to the Lord's plan. Just as a side note, uh, you know, God is basically saying in the story, no, there is no other plan. It's you, Jesus, on the cross, taking the weight of the sin of the world on your shoulders. The blood of Jesus was Jesus was God's plan from the beginning, a sacrifice. And it just speaks to the truth that, you know, so often there are people that will think, well, if I'm a good person, or if I do, you know, some good things, or if I, uh, you know, give enough money, I'll be okay, or if I attend a certain church, or, or if I believe in heaven, or I believe in God. Listen, all those things are fine. But unless you have asked Jesus to forgive you, that his blood would cover your sin like we talked last week. You are not saved. And Jesus, in this moment, is submitting to the will of the Father to provide a way for you and for me to accept him and to be forgiven. Mark 14, verse 36, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. And then I love this. Yet, not my will but what you will. And I just noticed here that Jesus had perfect confidence in God's will. Three times he prayed and three times he yielded to the Spirit. And you look at Jesus and his example compared to his disciples that were asleep, right? All the disciples scattered, including Peter. Jesus fulfills the will of God. The disciples, they scatter. Why? Because they were spiritually asleep. They weren't able to pray 
when it counted. And I just think if Jesus prayed in this hard moment, how much more do we need to pray? When Jesus was asking the Lord, what's his will? He prayed. And the same is true for us. Do you want to know the will of God? Are you willing to do the will of God? And I was thinking, what if the Lord showed you something, a picture uh, for your life and and, uh, for your uh, your family, uh, something that was great sacrifice or or, or, or very difficult to to maybe swallow. And and for some, you'd say, man, if I saw God's will, I I might not say I'm interested, right? I, I don't think so, or I don't agree with that, or that's too hard for me, or that's too hard for my kids, or whatever the case might be. But can I just encourage you that whatever God's will, whatever he he puts on our hearts to do or to say, uh, to be a part of his plan, we should say nevertheless, right? We should just like, not my will, but Lord, your will be done. And the truth is, the Lord may even call us at times to even die, die to ourselves. And some of you are saying, hey, I'm out, get me out, right? I tap out. But listen, Jesus He followed God's will right to the point of death, and the same may happen for us. We may have to die to a dream, or we may have to die to our own plan, or we may have to die to a relationship or to our own financial plan, so to speak. Jesus will bring you to your own Gethsemane at moments. It was appropriate that he was in an olive grove where the olives would be crushed, right? And what's happening in this moment is Jesus is being crushed. And and there's a crushing that happens when we follow Jesus, when we follow him in obedience. How will we make it? How do you make it through? How did Jesus make it through? Through the power of prayer. And the same is true for you for your family, for your situation. See, prayer strengthens and protects us. It also helps us to know and to follow God's will. It's just the truth. There's a couple of things I want to remind us of as well. I kind of started saying at the beginning that there was a consistent pattern of prayer in Jesus' life. And we can't forget that, that this was not the first time Jesus prayed. There's this pattern. And the point is, for us, is that we need to pray, and I would say we need to pray now. Pray before the crisis, so that when you enter a crisis, you have a prayer life to fall back on. You want to pray in secret, so in public, you have the strength to stand. The prayer that Jesus was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane helped him to make it through the experience of being sacrificed on the cross. You say, well, what about temptations? This scripture talks, you know, pray so that you won't fall into temptation. And certainly, there's a sin that we all, we all struggle with, right? We, we struggle with sin. We're all tempted, just like Jesus was. The point is, we need to pray. We need to bring those things before the Lord. And that when I study this idea about temptations, there's also this idea of distractions that will keep us from praying. Does anyone ever get distracted when you're trying to pray? Come on, let's just be honest, right? It happens for all of us. I was working this week and praying and working on the message. I think it was Thursday. And uh, 
I'm at my uh, kitchen table and looking out the front window, and, uh, and I, for some reason I was really distracted, but the plow truck comes along one way, and then it comes around the other way, and I'm thinking to myself, I need to get out there because I hate it when people run their tires over a freshly plowed area, then it just gets stuck and it just builds up, and I like to get it I, nice and clean. Am I, am I the only one? Is there anyone else? That, I might be the only one. It's okay. It's my issue. But I'm thinking, man, no, I can't do that. I'm working on my message, right? I got to stay concentrated. For you, when you're praying, maybe if you're at home and maybe the laundry is, is, is needing to be done or the buzzer goes off and you're trying to spend time with prayer. Or maybe it's your kids that are constantly interrupting. Come on. Like, that, that's just, it's the way it is sometimes. Uh, Logan, can I see your phone for a second? So how many of you guys have your phone with you right now in your hands or close by? Just give me, just, okay, most of you, right? How many have ever been distracted by your phone when you've been trying to pray? Come on, let's just be honest, right? This, according to Business Insider, says that the average person touches their phone over 2,600 times in a day. And if you're above average, the worst offenders, you will touch your phone over 5,600 times. That's gross, right? Because you think about all the places where we touch our phones too, and I'm just saying, right? What do you do with distractions? What do you do with your phone, right? When, you, when it comes to work or productivity or prayer, I like what Pastor Craig Rochelle said this last week in a leadership podcast. He said, the best way to increase your focus is to decrease your distractions. I took that to heart this week. Thursday, I was like, all right, I'm done. I got to take my phone and put it in a different part of the house while I'm working or while I'm praying or I'll do my devotions or I'll do my Bible reading on my phone, but then I've got to take it away and put some worship music on so I'm not distracted. Sometimes our phone when it's, you know, buzzing or there's alerts or notifications or things like that, it just is too much. And it talks to what's happening here, the temptations, the distractions. Today, I want us to think upstream if we can. We should be praying for our families, for our spouses, for our kids. We should be praying for those that we're witnessing to in, in our community. We should pray for ourselves, for God's will, for His direction, for boldness to do what He says, to follow Jesus. Today is a call to seek God and then be obedient to what He says. And if I had to put that in one word, I would put it in the word, surrender. Today is a day of surrender. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and to help me as we move into a time where we can surrender right here, right now. If you're online, I want to just encourage you to find your own altar. Maybe you're, you're watching at home and you could turn and sit at your couch or uh, you know, you know, just uh, keep the, the, the stream going. But what we want to do is create an atmosphere where we can say to the Lord, Lord, have your way in me. There's a song that I've asked the team to do. It's called I Surrender. And there's moments in this song that are, that are really important. Uh, it, when it gets to the, I think it's the bridge, is that what you call it? Where it says, you know, uh, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. 
I want that to be my heart. To be, I want it to be your heart as well. Because I know that when we pray and ask the Lord for help, He strengthens us, He protects us. He also can speak to us. And I just believe that the Lord is wanting to move this morning in a powerful way. He's already moving. Worship this uh, before I preach was, was incredible. I wanted to do that just to keep going and going, but, but that, that's okay. But this morning, we've left some room at the end of the service to respond. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Let's keep the lights on just for a second. Um, and then once we're into the song, you can kind of lower those. Uh, Jen, that'd be good. But what I want you to do, or now, that's good too. <laughs> what I want you to do is I want you to feel free in the presence of God. We haven't done a lot of this lately, but the altars this morning are open. Now certainly be respectful of others. We want to continue to have good practices, social distancing, things like that. But I want to encourage you to find a place Find your own altar. And I want you to respond in this moment. This last week, I was reading this story over and over about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it, the part that where he fell on the ground, face down. And so I've added that to my prayer routine. Earlier this week, I was praying right here uh, for a while. In Gateway Kids, I was. At home, I was on my belly before the Lord. Just crying out to God. Because I know that that's where God, where Jesus heard the Holy Spirit, gave him the power, the strength to face the cross. And the reality is we're all facing something. We all need direction. We all need something. We need the Holy Spirit, His presence, His power to be with us. And what better place to ask for his help is in a place of surrender. So I'm going to ask you just to be free and stick with us online because I know that the Lord, he can minister in your home just like he's ministering here. So let's pray. And after we pray, the worship team's going to lead us and you can be free to move, find an altar, find a spot. Maybe you turn and kneel where you are or come forward just be free, but we want to be in a spot of surrender. Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, Lord, you will do a great and mighty work. Lord, that you would stir inside of us a desire to know you. And Lord, no matter what we're facing, God, we need you. And so we pray. We pray for your help. We surrender, Lord, to you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Let's worship the Lord together. Our big takeaway for the morning is if Jesus prayed, I need to pray as well. And this is what Jesus said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray and be careful of distractions. Watch and pray so you can know my will. And then it says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this morning, if you're wrestling with the flesh, with the sin that so easily entangles all of us, 
We get that? We need to know the will of God, and we need to bring that to the Lord in prayer, and He will help us. We need to confess our sins one to another. There's power in that. You want to be careful. You don't just tell everybody, but find someone you trust. Say, man, I've been struggling in this area. I need to get this off my chest. And then do it. See, there's a point in this story that kind of hit me. It says, at at the end of the story, Jesus says, it's enough. The time has come. He had spent time in the presence of God. He wrestled with God. He prayed three times. He yielded three times. But then he says, it's enough. The time has come. And for some of you, you know what the will of God is. The time is enough. The time is now. It's enough. Now you just need to do it. We got to listen. And then we get to do what God tells us to do. This morning... I understand that you might be in your own Gethsemane crushing place. Jesus was being crushed here. Just like in the olive groves, they would crush the olives. And and certainly you may be experiencing something difficult. What do you need? You need time in His presence. You need time praying. Because it's there that you will get strength like you've never seen before. There will be protection as you spend time in prayer. And you will not only know the will of God, give you the strength to do it. This morning, I just, as we close, bring this to a close. What do you need from the Lord? Where is He stirring inside of you? What's God's desire? I'll tell you this. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, His desire is for you to accept Him as Lord and Savior, to ask for forgiveness, 100% of the time, that's God's will for your life. See, how do you know that? Well, that's what the Bible says. Jesus doesn't want even one person to perish. So if you're here and you're away from the Lord, surrender your life to Jesus. Just say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Come into my heart. Make me clean. And then tell somebody, by the way. Let us know. We've got resources at the Connection Center. We'd love to follow along with you. Help you grow in your faith. For the others of you, you're facing something difficult. What's God's will? His will is for you to spend time in His presence. And He'll speak that still, small voice. He'll do it, I promise. want to give opportunity this morning as we're in the presence of God. Some sweet spirit here. If the Lord is impressing on you, maybe you've kind of said to the Lord this morning, man, if there was an opportunity to speak, there's something that you feel like maybe for everyone, I just want to give you an opportunity. We've got a microphone up here. Just make yourself known if, if you've got a word for the congregation. just want to give you that opportunity. Anybody at all want to take advantage of that opportunity? All right. All right. Is Pastor Mike in the back? Mike, can you make your way up here? This is, uh, yeah, come on up here. I want to ask you to close us in prayer this morning, but then we're not going to close in prayer. 
the live stream will end uh, just for copyright uh, reasons that we'll get booted and flagged, but there's a microphone right here. You can just grab it and turn it on. Uh, Pastor Mike, uh, as you close us in prayer, uh, just ask the Lord to, to use you. And then once, once he says amen, what we're going to do, we're going to keep the lights low, and we're going to ask you to be real reverent, and then we've got a, just another song that we'll play that they're instructed in the back. And you can just spend as much time as you want in the presence of God. So you don't have to hurry off is what I'm saying. Pastor Mike, uh, pray, close us out as the Lord leads you. Yep, you're on. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Our hearts are quiet before you today. And Lord, I pray for each person in this congregation that you would speak to them. Not just now, but all through this week. That their hearts would have a heightened awareness of your presence and in the the leading that your spirit is trying to do in their lives. I pray that you'd speak to them this week, open their ears to hear, their hearts to understand. As we go from this place, I pray a blessing upon each one, upon their family, upon their children, upon their business, upon their coming, their gozing, their going, their rising, their laying down. And all that they do, I pray that let your blessing be upon them today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.